You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. Today, John the Baptist comes on the scene and he's preaching hard. His first words, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's our third week talking about the final judgment. I realize I was on for the 7 p.m. Sunday Mass last week, so if you didn't hear it, sorry. It's on the Spotify or whatever. First, first though, let's listen to, let's listen to John's words again. Let's look to them uh, and see what he says about the end times, what he's telling us uh, is going to happen. Because we, we see John the Baptist preaching through the lens of history, which gives us a certain clarity. Uh, seen from the perspective of his contemporaries, it comes across, across a lot differently. You see, the Messiah and the end of times were not separate events for the first century, century Israelites. They didn't comprehend this in-between time we live in now. So, as John is introduced, Matthew introduces him with a passage from Isaiah 40. A voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. When the Lord came, when the Messiah was going to come, it was the end of time as we know it. John the Baptist seemed to be preparing the way for the final judgment, as we think of the final judgment. That's how his contemporaries would have heard him. Now, by the end of Christ's ministry, by the time he ascends at the beginning of Acts of the Apostles, the apostles and early Christians did comprehend that there was much work to be done before Christ came again, and that that, that, that period of time between when he ascended and when he came again might be a long time. But those, those first century Jews on the eve of the first Christmas, the advent of Christ, wouldn't have comprehended this in-between period. So we can actually see John's words uh, as guides for us for the end times. Because they, they suggest something immediate, something intense. Even his own words, a baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. He was preaching as the new Elijah. He's even described much like Elijah. He wore the same hair shirt, girdle, fed on locusts and honey. He presented himself as the new Elijah. And he preached much like Elijah. He says, the tree which does not bear good fruit will be cut down, thrown into the fire. That Christ comes with the winnowing fan in his hand to separate out the wheat, that thing that bears fruit from the chaff, uh, that worthless sort of non-edible portion of the stem. So is John wrong in preaching this way? Is he deceiving those that he's preaching to? Or he, does he just not know what's going on? Does he not know that, that the hour of the Lord was not going to come in Christ's life? Would he have preached differently if he had known that? I think John knows exactly what he's doing. And I think we need to see him in the great prophetic tradition, which is that as prophets speak, they speak with an already but not yet way. So what John says about Christ, yes, Christ does exactly what John says he's going to do. And yet, 
some of his mission is left for us to complete. Who knows how long that can take. If the early Christians or the medieval Christians or the 18th century Christians, those times in which the apocalyptic feeling was very intense, if they were convinced the end was near, it was because they thought that they had brought the gospel to the ends of the earth. They thought they had completed the mission. And then we go on to find that there's many more people to preach to. And so there's much work to be done still. How long, how long will these end times in which we live last? By definition, we do not know. Christ says we cannot know. What do we know? Well, we know that the second coming will not be like the first one. There will be no mistaking Jesus in round two. You know, Cyril, Cyril of Jerusalem says at the first coming, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. At his second coming, he will be clothed in light as in a garment. The first coming showed the humility of God. And we needed, we needed to see that. We needed to comprehend God's mercy and his humility. Because an infinite, all-powerful God is a terrifying thing. And if he comes in all of his majesty first, he will not, he will not bring love from us, but only fear. And so he came in humility to, to demand our love as a child. Yet in his second coming, Cyril says, the Savior will not be judged again, but will judge those by whom he was judged. So then should we be afraid? Should we be afraid of the end times? <clears throat> no more than we should be afraid of the, the mission we have when we wake up in the morning. It shouldn't change the way we go about our lives because we should be living as though the end times are coming now. Because we all know that the end of our life could come any time. <clears throat> what does it do for us that helps us? How do the end times sort of bring about a healthy way of living today? We need to hear of the end times because it keeps us alert. Otherwise, our, our day-to-day life just becomes one thing after another. We need to be reminded often that this life will end, whether that's individually at the end of our lives or collectively at the end of time, because it reminds us that every single day and every single moral act, everything that we do matters in eternity. It all matters in eternity. We are so good at putting things off till tomorrow. Not just spiritual things, though spiritual things are easier because they're invisible, you could say. But we're good at putting anything important or difficult off till tomorrow. And we need to be reminded that tomorrow is not a viable option. That today is the only day we have for sure. And so let's take this time at the beginning of the year uh, to meditate first on the end of times. And then we'll come back and focus in on Christ's incarnation. Jesus has given us the gospel not for ourselves. Yes, for us first, but for the world. When Jesus comes to you to give you the truth, he gives it to you in order that you might bear fruit with it. And we must bear fruit. It's not an option. As he said, 
John says that the axe is at the foot of the tree. That's an intense image. And so we're called to go out to the world with the gospel. For us here, the world is Missoula, Montana, for now. Who knows what the Lord's calling us to. But for us, the world is Missoula, Montana. So let's start very concretely. You know, Christmas is coming this season. People's hearts are open to the Lord in a way that maybe they're not usually, in the busyness and the hustle and bustle. So I want to challenge each person here to bring someone to Christmas Mass who would not otherwise come. And, and not just like a text invite, like, hey, you should come to Christmas Mass. We're going to use a gospel principle here. So if you ask them 77 times and they say no, all 77 times, then you're off the hook with that person. You can move on to the next person. So <laughs> 77 times. And if they say no, you don't have to ask a 78. But it's not just asking. It's offering to pick them up and bring them. The Lord wants to meet every single person that we know. And you have to be confident that he's already at work in their hearts. Everyone you talk to, the Lord already knows them. Better than you know them. Better than they know themselves. So he invites us, and then we have to go out and bear fruit. So we evangelize. What are we sharing but the fullness of the truth and our salvation? The words of eternal life for us and all those that we speak to. So Jesus has prepared the way. He's already at work. We trust him and we speak boldly and faithfully. And he will bear fruit in our lives and in the lives of those that we know.